It's Storming the Court with Ryan Connell. Welcome into Storming the Court. Today is Wednesday, December 30th. The Big Ten is the strongest conference in the country. Gonzaga, once again, proves they are far and away the best team in the nation. And 2021 is right around the corner. And it's quite an important year for college basketball. We'll get into that and more here on Storming the Court. We'll start where we do every week and look back at the top 25 and some of the best games around college basketball from last week. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all. On Christmas Day, number 9 Wisconsin went into East Lansing and knocked off number 12 Michigan State, 85-76. Wisconsin rolled in the second half in this one to pull away from the Spartans at the Izone. Demetric Trice, 29 points on the road in front of the coach and school his brother carried to the Final Four. For those of you that don't know, Demetric Trice is the younger brother of Travis Trice, former Michigan State point guard that led Michigan State to the Final Four back in 2015. His brother Travis was in attendance in East Lansing, and Demetric showed out for the Badgers 29 points en route to their 9-point win over the Spartans. Nate Reavers and Micah Potter are probably the best frontcourt duo in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, they have proved once again that they are worthy of the praise that they were getting. In the preseason, a lot of people had them, as some people even had them pegged as the best team entering the season in the Big Ten. On Christmas Day, they proved that they are quite worthy of that consideration. Michigan State, on the other hand, is going in the opposite direction. Spartans lost last week and are 0-3 in Big Ten play for the first time since 2001-2002. Tom Izzo is 0-3 in the Big Ten for just the second time while at Michigan State. Joey Hauser has been the best player on Michigan State in the early going, but the supporting cast has been wishy-washy at best. Rocket Watts. We talked earlier this year about how Rocket Watts took a couple steps forward in the game against Duke and against some of the other games earlier this year. Well, he has not been consistent enough for Sparty to be successful. Joshua Lankford coming back off the surgery after two leg surgeries, missed two full seasons, finally back and healthy. Some games he plays well, others it's like he's not even out there. Aaron Henry returned back to school, expected to take a bigger jump, another year of progression, maybe going to be one of the biggest shot takers and offensive players for this Michigan State team. Game in and game out. Just not what Michigan State expected. And this game is kind of a chasm of what the Big Ten is. You have these power programs like Wisconsin and Michigan State, perennial powers atop the conference, who sling it out against each other in the early season, and they're not going to get easy games back. The Big Ten this year is tough, so it won't be easy for Michigan State to make up ground, who currently sit dead last in the Big Ten at Omen 3. Wisconsin 2-1 in the conference, kind of steadily towards the top. Sure, there's only a few games into conference play, but 0-3 already. Things aren't going to look significantly brighter for Michigan State coming up here in the next couple weeks. The Big Ten is that tough. So that kind of brings us into the Big Ten conference at large. The standings are just so jumbled. Of the 14 teams that play basketball in the Big Ten, Nebraska and Penn State are the only two schools with a 500 or worse record. Nebraska is 4 and 5. Penn State is 3 and 3. Everybody else is at least one game over 500 
in the conference. And if I just read you off the top of the Big Ten Conference, some of the names up here will jump out to you. We have Michigan at 2-0. At 3-1, Rutgers, Northwestern, and Illinois. At 2-1, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. At 2-2 is Purdue. At 1-2 is Ohio State and Maryland. 0-2 is Indiana, Nebraska, Penn State, and at 0-3, Michigan State. Of all the teams I just mentioned, as I said before, Nebraska and Penn State are the only ones under 500. The next closest team is Indiana at 5-4, who's 0-2 in the conference. Maryland is 6-3. Everybody else is at least three games better than 500. The Spartans are in last place after going 0-3 to start conference play, but are 6-0 in every other game they've played, including a win at Duke. Every game is quite a challenge in the Big Ten, but how many teams can theoretically get into the NCAA tournament? I'd say 10 have a legit shot. Currently, outside of the NCAA tournament would be Penn State and Nebraska, pretty obviously, uh, as they're 500 or worse. Indiana, I guess, would be on the outside looking in, which still leaves 11 teams. If it's just those three teams that I'm leaving out currently, that would mean 11 teams would get in. But I think at least one more team will take enough lumps in the Big Ten because they'll beat up on each other, which will finally drop them down and out. Nine teams are currently ranked in this week's AP Top 25 in the Big Ten. But only two of them are in the Top 10. So last week we talked about the Big 12 and how they had five teams in the Top 15, four teams in the Top 10. The Big 12 is top-heavy and is a very good conference. But the Big Ten from top to bottom, there is not an easy game in this conference. Michigan State who many projected to finish in the top 3-5 to five in this conference, is in last place through three games and have not won a single conference game. Ten teams have a legit shot of making the NCAA tournament. Currently, nine of them are ranked in the top 25. They're going to beat up on each other. There will be teams with sub-500 or pretty much 500 records in conference play in the NCAA tournament over teams in smaller conferences that many will say have much better records but don't play the caliber of competition that's in the Big Ten. And just some of the darlings and kind of an unusual year it is for not only for college basketball and sports at large, but specifically just the Big Ten. Look at some of the names of the schools at the top of this list. Okay, Michigan, they've been in the Final Four in the last five to ten years. Okay, they played in a national championship game back in 2013. Rutgers, not really someone that's at the top of the conference. Northwestern, only about three or four years ago, made their first NCAA tournament ever. They had never made an NCAA tournament before. They're at the top of the conference. Illinois, who used to be a steady contender in the early 2000s, has had a significantly worse time over the last decade plus. They're at the top of the conference. Minnesota, who many forget, as you know, a team that was in the NCAA tournament multiple times in the last five years and playing in a lot of like 7-10 matchups. Richard Pitino, son of Rick Pitino, is the coach at Minnesota. He's put together a quality program that year in and year out is constantly getting better. Okay, Wisconsin's at the top. Iowa's at the top. Then you get into your Purdue and Ohio State's. Maryland shared a shared part of the Big Ten Conference title last year. They're 1-2 in the conference. Indiana is one of the perennial powerhouses in all of college basketball. You go back to the Bob Knight days, you'd say Indiana is arguably one of the eight best teams ever in college basketball history in terms of a program standpoint. 
Nebraska and Penn State, sure not particularly basketball-oriented schools, but Penn State last year would have been in the NCAA tournament. They were remarkably better than they normally are last year. And then Michigan State is at the end of the conference. I don't think there's really been an, another team over the last dec- decade to 20 years that's been more consistent in the Big Ten than Michigan State. And they currently find themselves in last place at 0-3 in the conference, 6-3 and overall. The Big Ten Conference, top to bottom, best conference in college hoops. It's not even close. People are not going to be happy when they see the field for the NCAA tournament, and there is nine or ten teams in the Big Ten, some of which have below 500 records, and they'll say, how'd they get in over a team out of the ACC or the Big 12? It's because all their games in their conference matter. There's no easy game, and every win in the Big Ten is pretty much a better win than any other conference and any other opponent that you will play on your schedule this season. So let's get into some of the other games from this past week. We'll go to Saturday, as we saw the number one team in the country, Gonzaga, match up against the reigning national champs, number 16, Virginia. And it was the Bulldogs of Gonzaga who rolled in this one, 98-75, the final Career days for the two best players on Gonzaga, Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy. Kispert, 32 points, 9 of 13 from beyond the arc. Drew Timmy, 29 points in 28 minutes of action. The far and away best team in college hoops, top to bottom, put on an absolute clinic at Dickey's Arena down in Texas as they knocked off the reigning national champion Virginia Cavaliers, 98-75. Last week we talked about Gonzaga a little bit at length and a little bit at how they have the potential to close out the regular season undefeated and enter the NCAA tournament without a loss on their resume. And this was, again, an example of how they are so much better than everybody else. From top to the bottom, this team is so balanced. They're better than anyone on the offensive end. They score in a multitude of ways that cannot be slowed down. Virginia is perennially the best team or one of the three best teams defensively in the entire country. They held Gonzaga to 98 points. And I say held because Gonzaga certainly could have scored more if it left its starting lineup in there. It got plenty of bench guys in down the stretch. And they still scored 98 points against the team that's supposed to be the best on-ball defensive team in the country. Virginia by no means could stop them. And even being a top defensive team, that just shows you how much better Gonzaga is. And I'm going to say this again. I don't think Gonzaga will be stopped. They're fully on pace to have an undefeated regular season. As they have no more games against ranked teams on their schedule. They have a chance to go wire to wire. As to be the only team ranked number one in the AP poll all season long. They were the preseason pick to be the number one team in the country. They have very much a chance to be cutting down the nets in Indianapolis at the at the end of the year as the number one team in the country. I don't see how someone's stopping them in between. The 2015 Kentucky team is the last team to go from preseason number one all the way through the regular season as the number one team in the country. They were 38-0 before they lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four back in 2015. They did not finish the season as the AP number one team, but that is the last team to go from preseason Number one, all the way through the end of the regular season as the number one team with no other team entering at any point in the season as the number one team. Gonzaga is very much on a similar path to that Kentucky team. 
They have three high-quality NBA-ready players in Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy, and Jalen Suggs. Pair that with a Hall of Fame coach and a handful of experienced all-conference players that fill out the rest of their starting five and their rotation. They only have WCC play left. It's easy to presume that they can enter the NCAA tournament unbeaten and will probably reach the Final Four unbeaten. And I know it's hard to talk undefeated seasons, and the last team to do it was 1976 Indiana. They cut down the Nets as national champs. I'm not giving the national title here on December 30th to the Gonzaga Bulldogs. But what I'm saying is that they will finish the regular season undefeated. They will reach the Final Four undefeated. And then it will it will come down to if they can win two games in three days against the best competition that they'll face this entire season with it all on the line, pressure at an all-time high. If they can deliver through that and they can give Gonzaga a national championship, I know people love to throw the asterisks on it because this is a different season and there's no fans and they'll just want to discredit what Gonzaga does. But even before we get to that point, and even before people start to think of that, I'm letting you know right now on December 30th that I am confident Gonzaga will enter the Final Four without a loss on their resume. Then the pressure gets gets heavier, the lights get brighter, and then it'll really come down to can everything go their way. I'm going to predict they go undefeated in the regular season. That they reach the Final Four for the second time in four years. We'll see who else gets there. Gonzaga, as it stands right now, is the best team in college basketball. And as long as they stay healthy and things don't go awry, look for the Bulldogs to be in Indianapolis with a legit shot to cut down the nets and declare themselves as national champions. Final game we'll talk about that also happened over the weekend. It was Kentucky at Louisville. And I said you couldn't take Kentucky in this game because they have yet to prove anything and to prove any sort of life that they still are kicking and are still have anything left in the tank. But I did say, don't be surprised if they play this game close. They have a lot to play for in terms of trying to right the ship and get everything back on track. But the embarrassment of a season continues for Kentucky. They lose by three to Louisville yet again. Olivier Saar has a jumper from the baseline with about five seconds left. Almost the same exact shot he had a week prior against Notre Dame. It rattles in and out for the second straight time. Louisville the rebound to make two free throws. And then Brandon Boston Jr. jacks up a deep three from the wing to try and send this game to overtime. Throws up an absolute brick as it clanks off the rim and backboard. Kentucky is now 1-6 for the first time since the 1926-27 season. They started that season 1-8. And, and before that season, you have to go back to 1911 for another season in which Kentucky basketball has been this dreadful. So in the last 110 years, this is just the third time Kentucky will be starting 1-6. I know I've wasted enough time talking about how bad they are. I'm not going to go back into what continues to plug them and why they struggle but it's gotten to the point where I have to keep bringing them up on every show because of how historically bad they are. And it's almost a bigger storyline that Kentucky is this bad than when Kentucky was playing well. All those years, Kentucky is consistently ranked in the top 5 and 10. 
It's expected. It's still a story, but it's expected. This year, the fact that they are 1-6, they've already lost as many games this year as they did all of last year. They were 25-6 and six last year. They are 1-6 this year. It is more of a story that Kentucky is so woefully bad that I have to continue to bring it up. Now they enter SEC play. We'll see if they can write the ship at all. And there's one nugget here. No team in the history of the NCAA tournament has made the tournament as an at-large team after starting 1-6. There has been no at-large bid given to a team that has started 1-6. So Kentucky's only path from this point forward if they want to make the NCAA tournament, which I don't think they will, is winning the SEC. Winning the SEC tournament will be the only way Kentucky gets in because no team who has started this poorly has ever gotten an at-large resume. And especially in a year where the amount of games are capped and the opportunities to get signature wins as the year goes along will not be on the table for Kentucky with the SEC at-large having a down year. The Wildcats' only path to Indianapolis is winning the SEC tournament. It's still a possibility. Anything can happen. But man, things look bleak in Lexington. So let's look ahead to this week and into the year 2021. What to expect in this upcoming year. There was so much positivity heading into 2020. There were so many great storylines emerging in college basketball last year between Dayton and San Diego State. Gonzaga was a real threat. Kansas and Baylor were both number one seeds had the NCAA tournament been played. Obviously, 2020 has taken a direction in which none of us expected. The last nine months have given everybody something that they didn't expect to happen. So as we enter a new season and, you know, we have still an NCAA tournament scheduled with precautions set in place to make sure that we can still have it. Let's go into 2021 hoping that we have an NCAA tournament, that teams can finish their regular season and conference tournaments healthy, that we as a country can continue to come together and overcome the challenges faced during this global pandemic. And let's hope that these student-athletes are given their chance to play in the NCAA tournament and fulfill some childhood and lifelong dreams. So with that, we go into 2021 with more positivity and that we are finally starting to turn the corner. So let's kick it off with the best game of the day on Saturday, January 2nd. Number eight, Texas on the road at number three, Kansas in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Best game of the weekend. Love to see how Kansas deals with the veteran backcourt of Texas between Matt Coleman and Courtney Rainey. Texas has a lot of options. And sure, Marcus Garrett and Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown, all have been better. But the limited crowd doesn't give Kansas the full home corner advantage they need of playing in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Can Texas's depth finally come through in a big spot. Shaka Smart in Texas has always been put down as they're a team that always needs a signature win that can never get it. 
I think they took a small step in that direction by winning the Maui Invitational held in North Carolina against UNC and Roy Williams. That was a big step for Texas. Now to get over the next hump. They're inside the top 10. They are the third best team or fourth best team in the Big 12. If they want to get to a legit chance to make the Final Four and be a national title contender, they need a signature win on their resume. Shaka Smart needs to break the hump that's on his back. And I think this is the perfect spot to get it done. They're better in the post. Their backcourt has more options than Kansas. Kansas' offensive output is still really inconsistent. There's the games where Abaji and Garrett carry the load. Then there's the games where Isaiah Wilson just comes out of nowhere. Christian Brown lit it up from three in one of the last games. But can they get reliable scoring and can they get enough production off their bench i think texas wins this one by the narrowest of margins solely because they have more options they're playing well and they're desperate for one of these signature wins i think being that five allen fieldhouse can't be the sanctuary that it is for college basketball on a year in and year out basis the true cathedral like feel that like is life altering to play a game on that floor won't be the case for Texas. Sure, Kansas still has much of a um, very much a home court advantage, one that's better than pretty much every team in the country. But I think Texas can squeak out a road win against a top three team in the country and knock off the Kansas Jayhawks on Saturday. Sticking on Saturday, moving further down in the day, number ten Iowa goes on the road at number fourteen Rutgers. Luca Garza has continued to impress game in and game out. And he will feast on the interior of this Rutgers Scarlet Knights team. Jordan Mohannon, the six-year point guard for Iowa, finally starting to play better, knock down some shots. Iowa as a whole starting to make more shots on a consistent basis. We saw their game against Gonzaga where they really struggled to shoot the ball. Things really haven't been working great offensively for the Hawkeyes. Rutgers should have Ron Harper Jr. back. He missed their last game, but still won't be 100%. So can that cap how good the Scarlet Knights can be, because he has been their best player all season long. Obviously, Jacob Young has stepped up well in his place. The tandem of them two together is quite formidable, but Iowa just needs to close out games. They had a game on Christmas Day against Minnesota. They were trailing a half, came all the way back. We're up seven with 40-something seconds left. It lost, the, let Minnesota come all the way back, tie the game, and then lose by like nine points in overtime. Iowa needs to close out games. They had far too many kind of slip away in the end over the last few years. They still concern me with their lack of defense. I said that's one of the biggest things they had to work on going into this season. It's still one of the biggest things they need to work on during the season. And it probably still is their biggest weakness to this current point. But this is one that good teams pull off and win quality games on the road. Iowa needs this to move forward and to continue to reinsert themselves as a legit contender. I think they get it done on the road against a Rutgers team that won't be 100%. Final game that we will preview this week comes from the Big Ten. Because, of course, you have to preview games in the best conference in college basketball. And we just did with that Iowa Rutgers game. Why not give them another ranked-on-ranked game in the Big Ten? This comes on Sunday, January 3rd. Number 25, Ohio State at number 21, Minnesota. Two teams we really haven't talked too much about on this show so far this year. Iowa State has looked good, though. EJ Liddell. This big guy that can shoot really bullies you in the post. Phenomenal and underrated passer. Chris Holtman has a very solid squad with the Buckeyes. But Minnesota 
has been one of the biggest darlings of the Big Ten, probably outside of Northwestern and Rutgers. I'd say Minnesota's probably the biggest surprise to me. They were picked to finish second or third to last, which would be 12th or 13th out of 14 teams. Marcus Carr returning to Minnesota has been awesome. He's top five in the nation in points per game, averaging 24 a clip. This game will be high scoring. Both teams gets up and down. Minnesota is a perfect 9-0 at home this season. But I do like Ohio State ever so slightly in this one. This one will probably almost be a toss-up. And on betting lines, probably pretty much a pick-em. Minnesota has been so great at home. I think Ohio State just has a multitude of weapons. I think Chris Holtman is a slightly better coach than Richard Pitino. And I think they can control Marcus Carr enough to get the job done. Give me the Buckeyes on the road at Minnesota. So last week, my picks went 2-1. and one. On the season, I'm 11-7 in 18 games that I have picked. This week, I like all three road teams. I like number 8, Texas, at number 3, Kansas. I like number 10, Iowa, over number 14, Rutgers. And I like number 25, Ohio State, at number 21, Minnesota. So that'll do it for this episode of Storming the Court. Please make sure to go subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you each and every week. As we enter the new year of 2021, help us reach a new audience by sharing the show with anyone who may be interested in college hoops. I know we're still months away from March Madness, but everyone fills out an NCAA tournament bracket. Get ahead, get the early edge, and listen to this show to get the insight you need to win your bracket challenge. You can get everything you need from me and the show on Twitter at Rye underscore Connell. That's R-Y underscore C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Thanks again for listening. Happy New Year, and I'll talk to you again next week.